0: Welcome back, folks, to another edition of Internal Budget. Brandon Mackey, staff writer for silver 7 here with you. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Brandon Mackey underscore and check out the podcast at Internal Budget. Today on the show, we have the single most crushing offseason loss since Daniel Alfredson. Uh, she's the Calgary Flames beat writer for The Athletic, co-host of The Athletic Hockey podcast alongside one Ian Mendez and Baby Yoda Jif aficionado, Haley Salvi And Haley, for the third time, welcome back.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. I mean, that was quite the introduction. Uh, I don't think it was that crushing because you got Ian. Like, we obviously knew that Ian was going to be my replacement. I didn't just leave and not have a plan, but, uh, you know, I certainly appreciate the introduction.
0: (laughs) Well, we used to have both. It's like losing Carlson. You still have Mark Stone, but you, you used to have them both, so. Hopefully Ian doesn't head to Vegas anytime soon, but...
1: Yeah, I was going to say, maybe don't call him Mark Stone. <laughs> yeah, really. He also left.
0: It's a bad <laughs> omen. But uh, we yeah. come to you, Haley, after your now Calgary Flames have officially been eliminated from playoff contention. And, I mean, let's get right into it. Like, what went wrong with this team this season?
1: Yeah, I think that th- this... It's a difficult question to answer. Um, I don't think that you can really pinpoint exactly one thing that's gone wrong. I think if you were to take a snapshot of the Calgary Flames at different points throughout the season, there would probably be different things going wrong. I think, you know, early on in the year, um, you know, it was about the quarter of the way mark and they were still a 500 hockey team. They had some games that were really great, some games that were really terrible, And um, I always go back to this and Milan Lucic said that, you know, the team was like Jekyll and Hyde. Their, their good was very, very good. They looked like the team that everyone thought they could be because on paper heading into the season, a lot of people thought myself included that the flames would be, you know, fighting for a second or third overall spot in the North division. You know, I certainly thought on paper that this looked like it was going to be one of the teams who, who had a really good shot to, to, you know, at least with this divisional format, make a pretty decent run through the playoffs because they'd only be playing against Canadian opponents. Um, Obviously, we didn't see that. Um, And yeah, Lucic called them Jekyll and Hyde. And I thought that was, you know, kind of the perfect way to describe the Calgary Flames at the quarter mark, the halfway mark. And now I, I just think that, you know, you can see glimpses of what this team is supposed to look like. Um, But I think the, the kind of overarching thing I would say that's been wrong this year is this team hasn't been the sum, they haven't been as good as the sum of their parts. They just, you know, again, on paper, this team should be a lot better and there's clearly something wrong And, and figuring out what that is, you know, that's if they would have been able to figure that out, they wouldn't have gone through six coaches. They wouldn't have missed the playoffs for the third year in the last six seasons. There's, there's something going wrong in Calgary. Um, and you know, it's been difficult to figure out what that is. Um, I think this year specifically we're seeing a wildly inconsistent hockey team and we're seeing a team that has failed to maybe failed the wrong word. It's just a team that hasn't been able to put it all together at the same time. Um, So there's been times in the season where, you know, Johnny Goudreau had a really great start, but, you know, Matthew Kachuk had a slow start Um, or, you know, Jacob Markstrom was incredible, but the team in front of him wasn't playing very well. And then you switch to Daryl Sutter and the team's playing better, but Markstrom's hurt and then he's come back and he's playing, you know, bad, you know, Markstrom was not good for a pretty long stretch. um, And I do believe that was probably lingering from the time he missed due to injury after the collision with. I think it was Tanner Pearson with the Canucks. Um, so it's just been, it's come in these, these waves through the season where, you know, some guys have been really great, others haven't, and they just haven't been able to put it all together to be, you know, the team that everyone kind of expected they'd be.
0: The mid-season coaching change came with its share of controversy, and it was another notch in the belt of the Sensickos, but did you see a difference in the Daryl Sutter Flames from the Jeff Ward Flames?
1: Definitely. I think this is a more structured team. I think it's a team that the difference in practice too is it's pretty, you know, the the practices are shorter. They're a lot faster paced. Um, I think, you know, the first day that Daryl took over at practice, the guys were saying like, this is the best practice we've had all year. And, you know, I don't, you know, I, I don't think that the flame struggles are all at the feet of Jeff Ward, but you know, I think there's been some legitimate questions raised, you know, reading into the player saying this is our best practice that we've had all season, yeah. March 13th, shouldn't be your best practice <sighs> ever. Um, and then, you know, you had some comments from Daryl Sutter throughout his time now here again, um, about guys needing to change their practice habits and changing their work ethic and changing their commitment to hard work and playing the right way and playing with pace. Um, And, you know, so those are things that I've seen from this group and practice. There's a pace, there's a work ethic, there's a commitment. Um, You're seeing that through the games, you know, they're still well under 500. Um, You know, again, with Ward, they were a 500 hockey team and and under Sutter, I think they're five or six games under 500. Um, So they're not winning. And ultimately your team is what the record tells you. Um, but I do think that the team has been better. Um, they're playing different. They're playing better. Um, you know, guys like Sean Monaghan are becoming, you know, good two-way centers. And that's not something that people have said about Sean Monaghan throughout his career. I think a lot of people probably called him, you know, a easier go-to shooter that can play with Johnny Goudreau. People weren't calling him a 200-foot player. Um, Daryl said that, you know, Monahan has worked at that to become a 200 foot player. We're seeing him stay out and practice longer. We're seeing him play on the PK now. So Sean Monahan's an example of a guy playing the Daryl Sutter way. And, and that's been the biggest difference is that they're playing Daryl Sutter hockey. Some people call it boring um, because they make it a real slog through the neutral zone. Um, they're really defensive first, um, and, you know, we've seen the Calgary Flames hold a team like the Edmonton Oilers to 17 shots, Montreal Canadiens to 17, 18 shots. There's been obviously some games where they've been blown out, some games where they've allowed, you know, 30 plus shots on goal. Um, but they have been doing a better job limiting chances. And I do think that the team has been playing better. They just obviously haven't been winning.
0: I take it you think that Daryl Sutter's the guy to lead the team going forward then?
1: <laughs> well, he has to be. I a- you know, I don't see this team making another change, I think, regardless of what people think about Daryl and and his systems. Um, And I mean, regardless of what people think about Daryl in a hockey sense, you know, I'm not, uh, you know, I I just think, you know, there's some people who maybe think he's uh, like, why are you going back to an old coach or, you know, it's boring, whatever. Um, I think regardless if we think that's right for the personnel, there are people who I've seen people say, you know, we need to build for speed and skill and we need to, we need to (laughs) be a rush team. Like they're not going to go and get another coach. There's been six coaches. Um, I think that the Calgary flames are going to be committed to Daryl Sutter hockey And it's going to be the players that need to adjust. Um, So I don't know if he's going to be the one that helps them win a Stanley Cup, um, but they're certainly not going to, you know, make another coaching change because the players aren't responding to it. I think that they've kind of run out of the excuses to say that it's the coach, it's the coach, because they've been through so many. And, um, you know, Daryl Sutter has shown that he can win Stanley Cups with his systems. Mm -hmm. So I think that you know, that's going to be what they stick with and it's going to be the players that need to adapt.
0: Yeah. We're kind of burying the lead here being an Ottawa Senators podcast, but Ottawa really had their way with the Flames this year, taking the season series in the end by a final of six to three. Why did Calgary struggle so much against the Senators in particular this season? I mean, they obviously had their struggles against everyone, but there was something about Ottawa that seemed to really have their number.
1: I think that, You know, if you look at the games against the Sens under Jeff Ward and the games against the Sens under Daryl, I would say that it was, you know, somewhat different. I think if you watch the games against the Sens under Ward, you know, it looked like a team that wasn't physical. Um, They weren't skating. I thought that the Sens, you know, looked like the harder working team who wanted it more, Um, obviously. They still kind of had their number with Daryl, but I thought the games were better in a way. Um, it's hard. To, I don't like talking about what's been wrong with this season. I don't know what it was about the Sens Calgary matchup. And, you know, we asked Daryl Sutter that question. Um, and, he, you know, actually, we asked Daryl about why the Flames matched up against Montreal so well because Calgary did a really, really good job um, against the Montreal Canadiens this season. And Daryl said, you know, sometimes you just have a team's number. And he's like, we certainly see that against Ottawa. They have their, they have our number. For whatever reason, they just match up really well against us. And that just happens sometimes. Especially in a season like this, when you're playing against teams eight, nine, ten times, um, you're going to have those swings. And you're going to have teams that you just can't get past. Um, and, you know, I think that the Sens – have been you know other than that that start to the season that kind of bad like 12 to 15 game stretch I thought it
0: was
1: (laughs) yeah it wasn't a good stretch to start off the year but I think that you know I've always said this season that the team is much better than the record would indicate and anyone who was taking the senators lightly in these matchups wasn't paying attention Um, this wasn't a team that was coming in with no shot at beating the Calgary Flames they have They have some skilled players, they have, you know, they had guys who are setting records for like scoring streaks, you know, the the Sens aren't a team that you can walk in and take lightly because they're gonna, they're gonna walk all over you. And and I don't know if the Flames took them lightly per se, I just think it was a matchup thing. Um, The Sens have a way of grinding you down with their style of play, Um, but they can also, you know, be pretty good off the rush. They've, and again, they've got some skill. Um, and if you know, we, I just—it's hard to—it's hard to say why they had Calgary's number. Um, I just think it was one of those things this year where they just matched up really well against Flames.
0: Yeah, there was a couple of times where Ottawa goalied them too, where Philip Gustafson stood on his head and stole a game. But I think I, I would the say
1: question... I sorry, and sorry to cut you off. I would say I that know. that no. is, like I'm not to be disingenuous towards Philip Gustafson because he is a, is a good goalie prospect. He played a really great game. Um, But when you're the Calgary flames and you need a win and you make a rookie goalie, making his NHL debut, look like a Vesna winner. Like that's a you problem as well. Like you have to score goals in those situations. You have to, I think again, Gustafson played a great game. He, he's an upcoming good goaltender, but I would also say that the flames, After that one, it was like, how can you not score a goal? Like the Sens have been scored Mm -hmm. on more times than any other team in the National Hockey League. And you did not, you were (laughs) unable to score a goal against a a guy making his NHL debut. Um, And you certainly have the weapon. It's not that the Flames don't have guys who can score goals. They have plenty of 20, 30 goal scorers on their roster and they couldn't do it. So
0: it's been one of those seasons. (laughs) And that kind of plays into what I was going to ask you next. Uh, It's a question that I'm sure you're going to be asked invariably over the off season. What's the direction of this Calgary team going forward? Is it time for a rebuild? Do they stay the course? Do you kind of try to retool things a bit? Like clearly this is not working because you have this core that's been together for a good amount of time. They haven't had sustained regular season success and especially not playoff success. So what do you do if you're this organization?
1: Well, I think you need to ask yourself too, like, is Daryl Sutter, did Daryl Sutter come out of retirement to rebuild? Did you sign Jacob Markstrom to a six year, $6 million contract to rebuild? Did you bring Chris Tanev for four years to rebuild? Um, So, you know, the kind of proof is in the contracts for me and the proof is in the goal in the coach that they hired. Um, I know a lot of fans are saying like, that's enough. We've been in the middle forever the middle is death, tear it down, blow it up, let's draft high for a couple of years and, and go from here. I disagree with the fans that have said that, and I've written that in pieces. Um, again, I think, you know, you have Daryl Sutter, you have Jacob Markstrom, who, you know, he was fourth in Vesna voting last year. Like he was just short of being a finalist for the best goaltender in the National Hockey League. And, you know, people are like, oh, well, he's making so much money, he's in his 30s now, like what's that contract? going to continue to look like and you know it's just the the discourse changes so quickly right you know the preseason it was we finally have our goalie we finally have our guy and now it's like oh well we should probably get rid of him so we can rebuild you still have your guy this year just didn't go properly I think we need to you know I understand I am this is my first year in Calgary and I understand that I haven't been through years and years and years of you know, being stuck in the middle of the league and not having playoff success and not having regular season success. But I do think that there is enough here in Calgary that you don't need to do a complete blow up. I think you can kind of retool on the fly, keep, you know, the pieces of your core that you see a future with intact and build around them properly. But, you know, when I say that, I'm not saying like, you know, let's just do some window dressings here. I think that the Flames still need to make significant changes in the off season. If they're going to be able to sec- successfully retool, um, you can't just go out and sign the Josh Levos and Dominic Simones, the Joachim Nordstroms of the world this year. And to be fair to the Flames, they spent $10.5 million on Tanev and Marks from last off season. And they kind of had to shop the, the bargain bin for, for lack of a better word. And sometimes when you do that, you get a great player um, who outperforms his contract. And sometimes when you do that, you have a guy who gets sent down to Stockton, or you have a guy who scores one goal for you. Um, and that's kind of, again, been the Calgary flame season, these depth players that they went and got, um, a lot of them haven't, you know, performed to the level that they thought they would. So, you know, I think that this is going to, this is a team that is poised to make significant changes because this core, has won one playoff round since 2015 and missed the playoffs three times and been knocked out of the first round every time since then as well. Uh, so they've either missed the playoffs or not won a round. So it's uh, it's not great. I think, though, I, you know, I, I don't think that they're one move away from being a contender. Um, but I think that, you know, they would need some significant moves this offseason to, to get them out of that kind of mushy middle of the league, but I, I don't think it's time for a rebuild because you've got you've got Chris Tanev, who in my opinion is the best shutdown defenseman in the league. He showed that this year. Um, and at least this season, he was the best shutdown D. Um, and everyone talks about the North Division being bad. Like Chris Tanev's the best, again, the best shutdown D in the NHL, in my opinion. Um, you have Matthew Kachuk, who had a bad season, but it's one bad year in five. I'm mm-hmm. not buying into... I'm not buying into the get rid of Matthew. It's truly strange, the difference in the discourse around Matthew (laughs) and Brady. Um, Elias Lindholm's a great player. I still think Johnny Goudreau has value. Um, Your defense, you know, is solid. You've got Noah Hannafin. You've got Rasmus Anderson. Chris Tanov. I mean, Gio is getting older, but he's still, you know, a a good, reliable defenseman. And you have Jacob Markstrom. So Andrew Mangiapane is a great player. Dylan Dubay is making some good strides you know, they're not looking at a blank canvas. They're not looking at a bunch of bad contracts. Like there's, there's a worse position that you could be in. So I'm not, I'm not in on the blow it up and being from Ottawa um, covering the Sens. I think you look at the situations too, and the players in Calgary aren't pending UFAs, you know, they're not offloading their UFA contracts. Like I know that I know Chris Tanev's not Eric Carlson. I know that is not Mark Stone. Like, these are different players, and we've seen teams offload better, more significant pieces, but those players were UFAs, right? And mm-hmm. the players here in Calgary are still under team control for at least a, a few more years. So I think that you at least try to make it work with with the moves that you can do. And if it doesn't work and they they're not in team control anymore, then you can talk about, you know, blowing it up but got matthew kachuk and team control you've got jacob markstrom and team control i just think that you 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 have to just choose the direction you want to go and who you want to build around and you just have to make the the right moves it's easier yeah. said than done but i'm not team rebuild
0: <laughs> you mentioned that there's uh that there isn't one move that is going to put this team over the top but is there one pressing need that you can identify right now for the Calgary Flames?
1: Yeah, their forward group needs a retool. I think that's the most important part. I think, you know, one of the most consistent, you know, issues with the Calgary Flames has been if you shut down Johnny's line, like, if, and Johnny and Monty have been separated this year, but it was like Johnny and Monty are getting shut down, and then Kachuk and Lindholm aren't scoring. Then you look at your bottom six and like it's crickets. You know, that was a big problem two years ago. Um, they shut down Kachuk and, and Goudreau and then no one was scoring. And I think that's been probably an issue that's held true this year as well. I think that was one of the, you know, reasons why uh, Brad Tree Living made some of the moves that he did in the offseason and some of the line combinations we saw earlier in the year. They were really trying to stop with the load up the top six and let the bot and just hope that the bottom six can do some secondary scoring for you. Um, That was something that they wanted to do. They wanted to have more secondary scoring and kind of, I guess, spread the wealth throughout the lineup. And it didn't really work um, again this year. And we've seen, you know, when Kinchuck isn't scoring when, you know, and I think some of the secondary scoring has been a little bit better um, down the stretch. Uh, I mean, the last 20, the last I don't remember the last time someone other than like Goudreau Lynn home scored. Maybe I'm just tired. Um, but those two have definitely like held the bulk of the scoring Andrew Manjia Pani too. Um, so I think that the forward group needs a retool. I think if you're looking at, you know, what this group looks like next year, if you're looking at potential line combinations right now, you've got Goudreau Lynn home Chuck, you have Manji Monahan, Monaghan, Dubé, and then Lucic and Backland and, you know, that's not great. <laughs> uh, I think that they need more depth on the wings. Um, I do think that they probably still need a, like an elite number one center. I think Elias Lindholm is very underrated. I think he's a great versatile player. I don't know if he's a true number one center when you're looking across the league, Um and I just think, you know, their depth on the the right wing's not great. I mean, you've got Chuck who's playing on the right side because he's playing with Johnny, but Chuck typically plays on the left wing. Um, so when you're looking at the right side, you you have Dylan Dubé and, like, Josh Levo, Brett Ritchie, well, Joachim Nordstrom. Like, that's – it's just not good enough. Um, and so I think that that's going to be a big area where the Flames need to go out and get more top line, top six, Um wingers um, and, and try to make their forward group uh, a little bit different. Cause I, I think their defense is their third pair has been a, a, a serious work in progress this year, but I think their top four um, is good. Um, you know, it's very strong again with Noah Hannafin and Rasmus Sanderson, Chris Tanev and Gio have been a great pair together. Third pair hasn't been great. Um, there's been some young defensemen who haven't, you know, been, what the flames may be expected of them. And that's been, you know, a major question mark this season too. But again, I think the forward group is probably the biggest place where they should make some significant changes.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and kind of pivoting to the senators, this was a drastically different team from the one that you covered last season. What were some yeah. of the key differences that you saw?
1: Well, I will say I did cover the team up until like the start of the year. Um, so I did get to know like all these new faces. I mean, because I kind of just I the move happened like right before camp started, right. um, so I was quite familiar with the roster construction. Um, you know, the Evgeny Dadnov signing. You're bringing in Josh Brown. Uh, you know, I I did see what happened during camp with who made it, who didn't. Um, I would say that like the big difference is, I mean, they they kind of swapped out their filler pieces um I think that a lot of their young players took steps in the right direction and obviously we saw that with guys like you know Drake Batherson is was great this season I think um it just kind of shows what confidence can do for a player um that's not the Drake Bathurston we saw at the NHL level to start the year when I was covering the team he was not confident with the puck um you know he made you know, he was gripping the stick too tight. And this is a really confident Drake Batherson we've seen this year. Um, There was periods of the season where you just wanted to get him the puck because you knew he was going to score. You know, he, he was really, really hot at different points of the year and he's been a great player. That top line with Batherson, Norris and Kachuk is, is unreal. Like that's going to be a really good line for the years to come. If they can keep that together. stifla has been great. Um, Connor Brown again I think you know I wrote twice that I thought that Connor Brown was a very important piece of the Sens core and he certainly showed that this year um Nick Paul is a great story too um you know so you know differences I I don't know if I like obviously there's differences because they changed a lot but I think the core of the Sens team stayed the same um if you if we all agree that you know I some of those core players weren't in Ottawa last year, but we all kind of knew who they would be. So I think, at you know, the nucleus of what the Sens are going to be in the future, I don't know if there was that many changes. Um, I think there's probably more questions about if Logan Brown is a part of that nucleus, but in terms of, you know, the long-term future of the Ottawa Senators, I don't think anything really changed. You still have, you know, a, a future group that looks like Chuck Norris, Batherson, Formanton, um Shabbat, I you know, I almost forgot about Shabbat. Um and you know, Tim Stutzla. Um, the, the players in UND, I mean Pinto has been great. I thought JBD looked great the other day here in Calgary. He was moving the puck. Um, he was skating up the ice. He looked really confident and strong. So I think, you know, the the players that, that I at least believed would be part of the long-term future of the Ottawa Senators. That didn't really change. Uh, I know Will Annan got traded. I think he probably just needed a change of scenery. And I know that Logan Brown hasn't, you know, he's had another season where he hasn't been able to stay healthy and and that stayed true as well. Like that hasn't changed. You know, we've always said that there's no question that Logan Brown is a talented and highly skilled center, but he needs to stay healthy because his development keeps getting paused every time he misses he misses time from the game, and and that's continued this year too. So, I know there's been some changes. Um, you know, you've got Dadnov. I mean, Matt Murray's been in net. You have different goaltenders. You have different depth pieces. But again, I think at the end of the day, the the nucleus of what we can assume the Ottawa Senators will have in the future has been the same.
0: Mm-hmm. We we talked a lot about. Tim Stutzla right before the draft and the kind of impact that he would have. How did he measure yeah. up to your expectations in year one from what you saw?
1: Yeah, I think he looks like, uh, you know, I think I wrote and said multiple times if there's a player who could have, you know, a better like impact or a bigger impact on his team out of the draft than Alexi Lafreniere. It's going to be Tim Stutzla, I think. he And he's shown that. I think he was able to step into the NHL right away. And, you know, he's been a good player. I think obviously there was some, some times where you could see that he was struggling or he was trying to figure out his time and space. I I know that I saw a lot of people being critical of DJ Smith early on in the year for not uh, benching Stutzla for not putting him on in certain situations. And I think that DJ probably deserves more credit for the way that he was able to shield his young players in certain situations. Definitely. Um, like, you know, if you have a a rookie who is your number three overall pick, he's your big shiny new piece that everyone thinks is going to be the best player, uh, in the future, you don't want to put him in a situation where he's going to, to look like Drake Batherson did last year. Yeah. You know, you don't want him to, to look like he, you don't want him to look and start to feel like he doesn't belong at the NHL level. So I think DJ did a really great job, um, shielding him and getting him ready. And we've seen him be able to step into to bigger and more opportunities as the season goes on and his confidence grows. Um, I think that his speed and his skill is really impressive. He's got a really great shot. Um, I still think, you know, he's still developing. He's yeah. what, like 19 years old. Yeah. Um, it's his first year in the NHL. Um, you know, he's not, he's not going to win like the Calder, you know, this isn't like the greatest rookie season we have ever seen, but I think, Um, it's been a really great rookie year for Tim Stutzla and he was a great selection Mm -hmm. (laughs) at third overall I know number three was the easier pick between three and five because it was likely either take Byfield or Stutzla but I think he's been great I think my expectations of him have been matched um, and I think that he has a really bright future along with a lot of the other young players in Ottawa.
0: Yeah. We all know the old man Kirill Kaprizov is going to win the, win the Calder trophy this year. Uh, But yeah.
1: (laughs) Someone got mad at me because Ian and I talked about it on the podcast and I said, I don't think he's an old man, but I think that you do need to, like, if you're, if you're voting, I think that you should be allowed to use like your critical opinion and say, Hey, maybe Jason Robertson is a 20 year old rookie in his mm-hmm. first legitimate professional season. He doesn't have the same, he has like three to four goals less than he does. Uh, it's not an updated statistic. It's like, okay, yeah. hey, maybe maybe I vote for him first because he only has a few less goals and he's actually a rookie and people got mad at me. I was like, I don't know, I'm just saying. I, I had a conversation Someone, I don't have a ballot this year because I'm new in Calgary and only two writers got a ballot and I've only been here for four months but I Mm. said like if Josh Norris isn't a finalist for the Calder I think I'll be disappointed in people because he's put together a really great rookie campaign.
0: He should be in both ends of the ice he's been unbelievable and even Stutzler has had an amazing Mm. season he went 13 games without a goal and it was one of the worst most bouts of snake-bitten hockey I've ever seen he was hitting posts he was getting robbed like it just would yeah. not go in and you could That's
1: see the sometimes.
0: Yeah. yeah and you could see the frustration on his face but I, I think you're right about Kaprizov as far as I'm concerned I mean this is a guy who played what like I think six seasons in the KHL and he, and he was an all-star in five of them and this guy's a rookie he was the
1: KHL, he was the K-H-L rookie of the year in 2014
0: <laughs> he's gonna be the NHL rookie of the year in 2021
1: like I saw that and I was like, no, no, like there needs to be something and you don't want to limit, you don't want to add further restrictions. It's already 25 and under, it's already first year in mm-hmm. the NHL. And that's where I say, like, I think people with a ballot need to just like, look at that and think for a second. Well, it's because it's not like he's 20 goals ahead of everyone. No. Like Jason Robertson did close that gap. Um, I don't know. People were like, "So you're saying that people should add their own rules?" I'm like, "No, I'm just saying think critically because you have a freaking NHL ballot." Well, the criteria
0: <laughs> literally, the criteria literally says that if you have a certain amount of seasons in another major professional league, you're supposed to be ineligible. And I think the KHL would qualify as another major professional league. I mean, it's the you know the only one that even holds a candle to the NHL. I think so. And, I, I like it's know.
1: not like he had six seasons and. The second tier Swedish junior hockey league, yeah. right? It's the, it's the KHL
0: or even six seasons yeah. of like mediocre play in the KHL. He's a superstar in the KHL. Um, I, I digress. I could seriously talk about this all day and I'm going to get flamed <laughs> Minnesota wild fans. It's on a,
1: Twitter. Yeah, no, it's a good debate to be had. I don't think it should take away from what he's been able to accomplish yeah. and how good he's been at the, in the NHL. He's been great but i also think you know Artemi panarin i think it was panarin was in a similar situation panarin. and he yeah. won and he won the rookie of the year so you know you can't you can't, you can't punish a guy for the criteria not being what we want no. um but at the end of the day you're still allowed as you know a person with a ballot a person with a critical opinion to think that jason robertson's rookie season was the best rookie season in the league
0: Yeah, I'm not going to begrudge people for voting for Kaprizov. I mean, you're talking about rookies. He's considered a rookie. His season's been unbelievable. But I think you're right. My vote would probably go to Jason Robertson or, you know, Josh Norris. But uh, you you saw the bulk of this core be constructed during your time in Ottawa. I mean, you got to Ottawa around the time of the Carlson trade and when things were really starting to kick into high gear in terms of the rebuild. So now that you're seeing everything kind of come to fruition and Norris is an impact player and Batherson and Stutzler and all these guys – Are you optimistic for the future of this team?
1: Yeah, I am. I think if they can keep that group together, um, if they can sign these players to second contracts, then I think that they have a bright future. I think you could probably go around the league and say, hey, let's put the Ottawa Senators' current roster up against your roster and who would you pick? And a lot of people are going to pick the Sens roster because they have a lot of really promising, young, skilled players on that team. And they're learning how to play the right way. Um, they have great work ethic. That's one thing that you talk to anybody and they're going to tell you that the Ottawa Senators aren't going to give you a night off. They're not an easy out. And that's a really great hardworking culture that DJ Smith specifically has created in with this Ottawa Senators group. So not only do you have skilled players, you have skilled players who are learning the right discipline, the right work ethic, who are playing the right way. There is a lot of players who are highly skilled who, you know, they're allowed to go and do whatever they want on the ice and off the ice. And maybe they go to a team with more structure and it doesn't work out for them. Um, You know, I I think that there's real value in the culture that they're building with this group. So um, I think they do have a bright future. Again, the asterisk there is if they can keep them all together um, naturally, but, you know, I think that, they've got the pieces. Um, it's, it's going to be, uh, you know, finding the right time to have them all up together. It's going to be about finding the right, um, you know, secondary pieces, secondary scoring around them. Cause you could have a great Calgary. You can have a great top six, but if your bottom six isn't great and you don't have, you know, it's, and if you don't have the right depth, and if you can't put it all together at the same time, it's obviously, you know, not gonna work out great, but I do think that looking at the future of this team, I'm just trying to think of like what what the lines could look like. I mean, you know, if we think that Stutzla is gonna be a number one center one day, you'll probably have like a uh, like a Batherson Stutzla, Kachuk. Yep. Um, Formington Norris. Sokolov.
0: Dadanov right now, but yeah, if you're looking down the line probably.
1: Yeah, D- Dadnov on, on the second line. Um, although he has he's probably been a little bit disappointing. He hasn't done yeah, but exactly it, what people thought. His for underlying the amount of money he's making.
0: Yeah, but his underlying metrics are terrific and he's had some like historically bad shooting luck. So I mean, yeah, the numbers aren't what you'd like, it's but it's just he's, a bad year. Yeah, he's he's playing fine. I mean, a career seventy point guy, I'm not I'm not too worried about it.
1: Yeah. And then you'll probably have this really great line with like with Pinto and Connor Brown, probably Mm -hmm. like that could be a really good two way third line for you. And then
0: maybe Parker Kelly's in there too.
1: Yeah. Parker Kelly's um, he's, he's someone that will probably surprise some people. He has a great little story. Mm -hmm. Like someone who maybe people weren't really talking about, but. You know, Troy Mann told me that there's not a single player who's in there asking for tape and doing more work than Parker Kelly. Yeah. Um, So he's someone to look forward to as well. Um, I feel like I'm forgetting people because they have so many young players on the come up. I mean, I think Jake Sanderson is. I don't know where Colin White fits anymore. When you look at the center depth, like is he a fourth line center now?
0: It depends. Or you move
1: him to the wing. (laughs)
0: It depends what Ridley Gregg turns into if Ridley Gregg comes up and then can play center and Shane Pinto's playing an effective center role you either move white to the wing or you trade him I think like that's yeah and but, I'm obviously but they're not there yet. A,
1: no I, I'm thinking like future I think I personally think Shane Pinto will be a great third line center just looking at the way that he's being used already at the NHL level he's like his first game he was already taking defensive zone face offs yeah. on the PK to give a player like that that kind of responsibility like that's a ton of trust from DJ and um, the coaching staff you know whatever whoever is is running the PK that's some automatic trust in Shane Pinto but that's what he did at UND and you know that's one of the reasons why he was like a Hobie Baker hat trick finalist you know yeah. he not only led his team in scoring but he had the best faceoff percentages in college hockey i believe or he was up oh, there yeah. So I think Pentowell is going to be a really great two-way center. And, you know, he's also – I think he had, like, five points in his first five games or mm-hmm. five points in his first six. And he's playing power play time. And he's taking D-zone faceoffs at, on the PK and five-on-five. Five. I'm a big fan of of what he can do. Yeah. Um, and, and, like, everyone was crapping on his pick when he got selected. So. Oh, yeah.
0: Well, that's typical Ottawa. But he, re- he reminds me – and I don't know that he'll ever hit – that kind of like level, but he reminds me a lot of Patrice Bergeron where he's really good in the offensive zone, really steady, but dynamite defensively and dynamite on draws. There was one game yeah. at UND this year, he went 18 and 0 on the face-off circle. Like it's just yeah. ridiculous. He's so how
1: solid. Play. Yeah, he's really good. And I remember, you know, I did a feature on Pinto um, when I was still with the Sen, covering the Suns, excuse me. And he told me that I think it was four. Four years ago now like he wanted to play baseball five years ago he wanted to play for the phillies he wanted to be a baseball player because his sister plays softball his parent his mom played baseball like that's a baseball softball family so he's like i'll play for the phillies he's from the new york area Mm -hmm. um he's like yeah i'll play for the phillies and then it was when crosby won so it was when crosby won his second stanley cup in a row he was like huh maybe i can do that so playing was, hockey what, in 20? high school oh yeah. that was that was when I graduated so Crosby won his second cup in a row when I graduated university because I said like if they win I will wear a Crosby jersey graduation and I was like this will be the most on-brand like sport media thing that you can do and they won so I had the the vintage Penguins jersey under my grad gown and people were like of course you did <laughs> I was like, yes I did um so yeah, that was 2017 where he was like, oh.
0: Oh yeah, no, people in Ottawa don't that. need to be reminded that it was 2017. Thank you.
1: Yeah, well, they need to be reminded because people keep calling me Leafs fan. So get it <laughs> <That's> straight. <true. laughs> uh, but no, like that's just crazy. And then he said that he watched a ton of clips of Crosby. He watches. A, he watched a lot of Mark Shifley game tape. So you can kind of see where he's trying to create his game off of is these players and and Shifley and Crosby and, you know, really just, you know, 200 foot complete players um, who play up the middle and, Mm. You know, it's just a really remarkable rise through the game for Pinto. Yeah.
0: And we haven't even talked about guys like Lassie Thompson, Vitalia Abramov. I mean, Logan Brown's a question mark at best at this point. But in net, like the situation's <laughs> unbelievable with Joey Decord and Philip Gustafson and Mad Sogard, Kevin Mandelis, Levi Mariline. And and even on the off chance that you lose one of Decord or Gustafson to Seattle, you're still in really good shape. So, I mean.
1: And Marcus Hogberg. Matt Murray that Matt Murray. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I think, I think Marcus Hogberg. I think his time in Ottawa might be done. I think that probably signified by the Anton Forsberg extension, but I mean, do you, I asked you the same thing about Calgary, but what do you think they need to add in the off season to take that next step? Like to me, it is, They clearly have a pressing need for a right-handed defenseman. Artem Zub has been a revelation. He's been phenomenal. Maybe a top-pairing guy. Um, Nikita Zaitsev has been on and off. Um, Not great for his cap hit, but serviceable and kind of a bottom-four role. And Jacob Bernard-Docker, like you said, looks great. But, I mean, it's a little early to put your stock in him just yet. Um, You'll have to wait to camp and see what you have. So, I mean, I think right-handed defense, undoubtedly. But where do you kind of land on it?
1: Yeah, I would probably agree. I think right shot D has been a big hole that they've had. And that's one of the reasons why last year we talked about, you know, why they should have been keeping a guy in Dylan DeMello. Um, You know, look at how great Thomas Chabot was when he played with DeMello. And that's something that you could have been replicating through this year as well. Um, That stability on the blue line um, is great. I know he's had a, you know, a bit of a I wouldn't even say it's a down year, but I I think he maybe hasn't been as effective. in Winnipeg, I think um, he's been playing mostly on the third pair. So he hasn't exactly been um, what he was when he was playing with Shabbat. But again, it's a different team. It's a different structure. It's different pairs. And there was enough of a sample size of DeMello with Shabbat to, to say that he was, you know, a really great fit, I think at the end of the day, uh, him and his agent were probably looking for too much term. um, And that was the big problem Mm -hmm. uh, between the two sides. So they, they did move on and, you know, we're trying to find some, you know, replacements, but I think some of the players they brought in are, you know, they're just replacement level defenders. Um, So that's going to be a big change. I do think though, with this team, I don't, I think fans would probably agree. Like, I think the, this is going to be an off season where the Sens maybe need to reel in the amount of veteran depth they bring in. Yes. Um, I don't have the returns in front of me. Uh, so I don't know what the, the net gain or net loss would have been from all the moves that they made, but like there was several people that they gave up assets for that they traded. And I don't know if they ended up getting more in return, like, you know, to let Anthony Duclair walk because you were afraid of the $4 million ARB number. And I'm sure there is more to it than that. But, you know, just doing looking at Duclair going because you don't want to lock him into like a $4 million contract to then trade, what was it, a fourth-round pick for Eric Goodbranson? Fifth, yeah. Making a fifth-round pick for Goodbranson. What did they get? they get a seventh?
0: Seventh from Nashville, him. yeah. So
1: that's a net loss. That's a net loss. So you gave up a fifth to get a seventh. Um, who, who else, um, uh, Coburn.
0: Yeah, but they got Um, a, they got a second round pick out of Tampa to take on those contracts. So that was like,
1: but they, when they, so then they flipped those guys and got more assets in return. So those were probably,
0: yeah, Paquette turned into Dezingle and Coburn turned into, I think a seventh from the Islanders.
1: Okay. So you're getting Dezingle a seventh and a second. So those are fine. Like those are smart. Those are fine moves, right? But, you know, you just have to go down the list and say, like, okay, did we actually, like, is it a net gain or a net loss yeah. from these moves that they made? And I think if you go through it, they probably did end up gaining more. Um, but I think this offseason is going to be one where, you know, you, you have a 56-game sample with a lot of these young players to know mm-hmm. – okay, they can play, right? It's going to be different. I don't think there's going to be question marks of can Stutzla play in the NHL? Is Norris going to be a number one center? Yeah. Um, can Can Formanton play? I think you're going into the season with more guys written into your lineup that you're not going to have to go out with as big of a checklist saying, okay, we're going to need this guy in case. We're mm. going to need this guy in case. So you'll probably see less of those moves. And I think that's probably, probably a good thing because um, these guys have, gone out and they've played and you know they're still towards the bottom of the league standings but they've gone out and they've they've proven that they can be everyday NHL players um so I think you know the the Sens are going to have to do an accounting of what they have and what they think they still need um I don't think there's going to be you know glaring needs in their top six
0: no um so
1: it'll probably be a year where they can get out go out and get some depth players some some guys in free agency um on league minimum deals whatever it may be and then, yeah, really, just try to shore up the defense because, on your so on your blue line, it's you got Shabbat. Was it Shabbat Zaitsev top pair?
0: Pretty much, yeah. You might be looking at a Shabbat Zub type thing next year. Hopefully, that's what everybody wants, but we'll see.
1: And who else? And you, have Brandstrom signed.
0: Yeah, Branstrom. Uh, and then JBD,
1: um, JBD's on his entry level. All mm-hmm. sing. Like you've got a bunch of young players and you have Josh Brown. Yeah. Yeah, so you're probably gonna need to do something on defense.
0: I would think so. I would think they're gonna need another left hander <laughs> and another right hander, probably. Yeah. Um oh oh Victor Mete. That's who was sorry, he was playing the bottom pair. I ah, can't believe I forgot yeah, Mete. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, yeah, He's he's been great. So he's been a great fit. And I, I would yeah, I would be shocked if it I was didn't at bring
1: the rink. Back. I was at the rink in Calgary when he got put on waivers and I was like, Pierre Dorian's gonna this is a good fit. I was like, if Dorian doesn't do something, then I don't know anything about the job I did for 18 months.
0: I literally said so. the same thing on Twitter. I'm like, if if Dorian does not put a claim in, I don't know what they're doing. Cause and, it, and yeah, and he's been fantastic. I mean, there are concerns with the size on the blue line because him and Branstrom are both smaller guys, but I mean the way they both move the puck has been ridiculous. And you can get that size on the right side too. I mean, if Josh Brown does nothing else, he's big you know, um, he hasn't been a great fit in every sense of the word, but he's been big and solid when he needs to be, you know?
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's probably some of like what they were going for. Right. They wanted yeah, to get, you know, you wanted to have like a big, a big body who can front the puck while you have like paired with a guy who can move the puck up the ice and, mm-hmm. and be your skilled guy. Yeah. You no, know, obviously that fit doesn't always work in practice, but that's obviously what they were going for with some of their pairings.
0: Yeah, that's what they wanted at a good Branson that they didn't get. All that talk about off-season additions, and we didn't even talk about a second-round pick for Derek Stepan, which oof, that is looking I, rough in the in the rearview mirror. That was
1: the one where I was like, "What's the other trade?" I was thinking of that they ended up like not like they traded for him, and yeah
0: yeah I was thinking like it, it's fine because you know they got the, the they had an abundance of second round picks they got another one from Tampa you're bringing in a guy who can play center has playoff experience and it just oof, that I, I whiffed on that one I gotta say that was the, that was yeah. just not good on my part but I mean Haley this has been fantastic but before I let you go I do want to talk a little bit about your current ventures that you're up to now and give the people of Ottawa a kind of little update on where you're at now that you are so far away uh, not only did you jump ship to another market but you jumped ship to another podcast Uh, what's it been like doing the athletic hockey show with ian mendes
1: yes that was one of the things that we had talked about um you know before i left um was doing a national podcast and you know ian said that he would love to do one with me and it's been great i mean the one i'll say uh we record we used to record at like we would start recording at like 9 a.m mountain time and I would be, I'm just really cranky on Monday morning. So that was an adjustment for me. <laughs> um, so I, and we record on video too. And I was saying, you know, off camera, like the, anytime we do a video clip of something, I'm reminded of like how badly I should, like, I need to sleep. because I'm like, oh God, the bags under my eyes are outrageous. I don't sleep apparently, such as the hockey season uh but no it's been great um you know Ian and I you know obviously got to know each other while I was in Ottawa we also got to do you know a lot of stuff with T- you know he had me on the drive at TSN 1200 all the time and it was funny when um uh, what, what when so when I left the Sens market to come to Calgary um a lot of the things that people were saying was like Ian you need to keep having her on the drive because you guys have such great chemistry. You can have her on every time the Flames play. And Ian and I were like, <laughs> 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 like, they, like, they don't know yet. Because um, again, like, you know, there was a plan laid out. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't just leaving the Sens market high and dry. And I know some people were, were kind of mad. Like, who are we getting? Like, camp starting. Like, the athletic is being shady. And we're like, no, we're just trying to, like, do one announcement. Let it breathe a little and then do another announcement instead of like announcing them both right at the same time. And people are like, wait, what's happening? So we were trying to just like pad the announcements a little bit. Um, (laughs) uh, So that was funny, like seeing a lot of the comments of people saying like you guys had great chemistry. I hope you guys can still do some radio stuff together. And then we ended up doing the podcast and it's been great. I mean, we, we have a lot of our athletic co uh, colleagues on because, it is a national show and we don't want to just be talking about the suns and the flames all the time and we try not to do that and we try to make sure it doesn't have a north division bias um so we have a lot of our different colleagues on we did have bobby ryan on early on in the year and that was great um to catch up with bobby and you know you know i can't speak highly enough about bobby ryan as a person so that was great to have him on um it's been good um ian makes too many dad jokes it drives me crazy (laughs) um you can tell like how cranky I am when he says some of these things um but it's been good it's been fun to work with Ian and, and he's a great guy he's really great at what he does and I'm sure Sens fans are happy to have him in Ottawa. Mm-hmm.
0: A little birdie told me about the whole bait and switch that was happening beforehand so I was kind of watching everything play out I watched the meltdown when you announced you were leaving and I'm like oh this is gonna be good. Yeah, <laughs> I was kind of watching it like the same as you just kind of like that.
1: <laughs> yeah we we did have like and my boss told me like don't say anything like don't even (laughs) say that you guys are gonna be like happy and I was like but they're so upset and like I I felt bad and in a moment of panic I kind of said to someone they're they're like this like someone was upset and I was like don't worry like you'll have a replacement like you'll be happy and someone replied with like ian mendez why i'm joining the athletic and i was like oh shit and myrtle was like and myrtle was like i freaking told you not to say anything he's like i specifically told you <laughs> not to do that and i was like i didn't say anything i just said like you'll be fine you'll be happy and they were like ian mendez i was like oh shit <laughs> i've made a mistake
0: but uh, obviously
1: I, it's worked out pretty well
0: i remember seeing that exact i will say too. and
1: yeah I will say, and, you know, I said this off air too, like, you know, one of the things that has been, you know, difficult this year, it's not difficult, it's fine. It's just, uh, it's seeing a lot of the players that, you know, I wrote about last year, especially when I was doing my prospect reporting, like seeing them, you know, doing well at the NHL level. I mean, it's, you're watching it and you're like, there's a little bit of like, I was right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Like a lot of, there's a lot of that, Um, but it's also, you know, um for me like I think I I showed like it came across that you know obviously game analysis and analyzing the team is is a very important part of the job and and I love doing that but I think telling people stories is was my favorite part about doing the job and so seeing you know a guy like Nick Paul after I wrote about his long journey um to get to the Sens finally get an A this year like seeing that was cool and seeing um you know, Josh Norris, who I said, like, don't count the guy out next year. Like he's going to be your top six center. Seeing him be a, a number one center. Um, Drake Batherson playing really, really well. Um, obviously Brady Kachuk is Brady Kachuk. Seeing Pinto step into the NHL and play that role right away. Um, even Joey Decord, like, the first game I watched him play in, in Belleville, I was like, this guy is going to make a name for himself. Like he's going to jump up this, this goalie rank, the, the, the depth chart here. And so that's been the one thing that I, and I joked with Ian too. And I, and I said, I was like, I should put out like a really self-centered column about all the things I was right about. (laughs) and He was like, you should do it. Like, do it. Tell everyone I told you so. And I I won't do that, but I will say that, you know, that's been one of the parts about, you know, watching it from afar in Calgary, seeing players that, you know, I wrote about and told their story and, and wrote about, you know, look at what this player can become and seeing them become that it's been cool um you know that that's been obviously you know it, it'd be great to, to be covering them doing it but i am really happy to, to be here in calgary and hopefully i have the opportunity to kind of do the same thing here but you know it, it is pretty cool to see a lot of the guys and you know it's just cool to see the sends you know heading down this path I, because i said before i do think they have a bright future yeah
0: i think uh, you're underestimating how badly people in ottawa want you writing about their team again even if it's just one more story to say i was right about everything i think that would go over really well to be honest with you
1: i think it would be rude just like hey everyone here's all the things that i was absolutely correct about uh joey decord uh shane pinto like it would just be so like tim stutzla like i mean come on like anyone could Say Tim Stutz is gonna be a good player. He's a third was over eye kick. Eye Like, yeah, he's he was obviously gonna be fine. Um, but no, that would be uh, you know, I couldn't do that. I don't. That's not <laughs> my personality. I don't know. I would feel weird because then I would get a comment of someone being like you're an asshole and then I would probably cry so I'm not gonna (laughs) open myself up to criticism I don't know if I'm allowed to say that on this podcast no you're fine (laughs) (laughs) so I'm not gonna open myself up to mean comments because I'll just get sad
0: Oh, the I'm not co- good
1: at that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the mean comments just make me laugh, but Haley, this has been terrific. Uh, I hope you change your mind about that column because I think it would be hilarious, but uh, regardless, <laughs> thank you so much for coming back on. Uh, I really do appreciate it. It's always great hearing from you and I'm glad you're killing it out in Calgary.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah. Tell everyone where they can find you. I mean, they already all probably know, but you know,
1: uh, yeah, I mean, all my stuff's on the athletic NHL. Um, it'll be on the Calgary site. Um, I, oh, I don't know my Twitter handle. Uh, it's my, everything on my Twitter is uh, <laughs> Haley underscore. I never, everyone always asks me this and I'm like, I think my Twitter is just my name. Uh, it's Haley Salvian. It's uh, Haley Underscore Salvian. You can follow me on Twitter if you want to find any of my stuff there, but it's all on the athletic.
0: As you should make sure to get the athletic subscription. If you haven't already and follow Haley on Twitter, that's it for this episode of the podcast. Make sure you like it, share it on Twitter um, and all social medias, follow, download, subscribe, all the fun things that go a long way and are greatly appreciated. Thank you for listening as always. And we will see you with another episode next week. Take care everybody.